New episode, Detroiter, covering Motor or City, covering sports in the Motor City and the Motors. I am fucked up. Covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. My God, I'm fucked up. Sorry about that. Second ever episode coming to you live from Sunnyside, Los Angeles, California. It's about 75 degrees today. Fourth quake scheduled. We're live. Los Angeles, Detroiter. Bing, bang, East Coast, Midwest, Mitten State, Sunshine State, or Golden State, I should say, collab. I'm still fucked up. Like I said, my brain is fried. Um, what they don't tell you about moving when they're like, yeah, California, it's sweet. You grew up in the cold. Like, imagine living in warm weather, no winter, the mountains. What they don't tell you is moving is the fucking worst. That's what they don't tell you. So my brain, I've just been dealing with shit. I don't know, the last 36 hours. <clears throat> I saved some of those uh, Fritos honey mar- honey barbecue things, and they're stuck in my throat. But I've been dealing with shit the last 36 hours. My brain scrambled like I can't even. I don't know. I'm just all over the place. It's been a fucking wild ride so far. Anyways, we talked, if you missed it, yesterday's episode, we got into the Michigan win over Ohio State. We talked a little bit about Michigan and and Iowa this coming weekend for the Big Ten Championship. I don't know. There's not much more to say. I mean, what I said yesterday, I think kind of summed it up. We spent like a half hour on it. Michigan obviously should beat Iowa. Michigan is the favored team. They just beat Ohio State. How are you going to pick the team that just not only beat, the team that just dominated Ohio State? How is anybody going to sit here and tell you, yeah, well, Iowa wins if they do this. I mean, Michigan's got the better defense, the better offense, the better run game, the better pass game, the better QB, the better rush defense, like everything. Michigan's better at everything. Michigan should win the game. I'm still excited to watch. Like I said, the one interesting factor, the one, as MSU would say, disrespect card Iowa has is we got Michigan coaches (laughs) three days, three days after the game, shit talking Ohio State tell. Still, we've got MSU fans or Michigan fans still worried about that Ohio State game, still worried about the MSU game from October. Like that is the one edge Iowa could possibly have is just everybody associated with Michigan is still so hung up on that Ohio State game. And that just the fact that they did it and everything like that, that, you know, Iowa maybe slips through the cracks. But I made the point like even more so. That even more so you would think is a reason that they won't let Iowa sneak up on them. Like you didn't just win that game against Ohio State just to win that game. If you lose against Iowa, it doesn't mean shit. It's all out the window. It was all for naught. So it's like on one hand, yeah, you know, you could think Iowa might get them. Like they're still talking about Ohio State. They're still basking in the glory of that win. Iowa's in a good spot here. But at the same time, everything that came with that win – all of the glory that came with that win, they're not going to let that slip through their fingers. At least I don't think. I mean, how could you choose them? Or or how could you, quote unquote, predict that they're going to let that slip through their fingers? If you thought they were motivated against Ohio State, you thought they came out looking good and wanted to win and had the right game plan against Ohio State, if you ask me, I feel like it'll just be that times 10 against Iowa. Because again, Harbaugh knows, the fans know, the players know, fucking everybody knows. If you lose against Iowa, it doesn't mean shit. So I think they win. We covered it more on on yesterday's episode, but in case that was kind of my general gist, 
Um, also, we talked Baez to Detroit. We talked Avila. We talked Illich. Just the whole free agency process, like for the Tigers, it hasn't. I feel like a lot of people, myself included, like a lot of people have done their fair share, fair share of complaining and kind of boo boo hooing what they've done. But like you compare it to the grand scheme of the league, just the fact that they have made good signings to improve important positions. They've had a fairly good off season, right? Eduardo Rodriguez is a good addition. Javi Baez is a good addition. Maybe they're not necessarily the best additions. But you can't sit here and act like they've done nothing. And on the flip, like the 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 counter now is you got Baez instead of Correa. All right. You saved the term with Baez. You saved the, the yearly pay with Baez. There are still guys out there. Stroman just signed to the Cubs today, so he's off the table. Chris Bryant exists. Chris Bryant is a human being that lives and breathes air and plays baseball. Correa's still out there. Like there are still some guys bullpen pieces, but obviously the big fish, there are still some guys out there where if you wanted, I wouldn't expect them obviously to go get a guy like Correa or uh KB, but I, you never fucking know, dude. I thought Stroman may be the guy. I want to say there's one other pitcher out there that they could go get, but I'm drawing a blank right now. I thought Stroman might be the guy like, all right, you save some cash with the Baez deal. You can plunge on Stroman. I still think there are moves to be made if Detroit wants to make them. And if they do, if it turns out like, my God, my God, if we somehow a week from now, we're talking about how they signed Baez to play second base and they got Correa to play shortstop. Like if, if we're talking about something like that, or they get story or they get KB something where it's like, holy shit, we thought Baez was the end all be all. Little did he, little did we know he was just a part. Like if that happens, then everybody's going to eat their words. You have to eat your words. How could you not eat your words? If that happens, it's an entirely different story. If they do something like that, they go out and get one of those shortstops. They go out and get a starting pitcher. If they do something like that, now it becomes instead of like a pretty good offseason. Now that's like an elite win now all the chips in the table, like we're, we're the New York Yankees offseason. Like that is a 10, 15 out of 10, 100 out of 10. That is nutsack on the poker table. If I lose, you chop them. If I win, you give me all of your worldly possessions type move. If they do that, I don't think they will just because, right? Like, why would they? What if we, why would we be led to believe that they will? But if they did, my Lord, Comerica, the Tigers, the hype, the buzz, I can't, uh, opening day would be a circus. If they did, it would be one of the biggest treats of all time. I hope they do. We'll see. I really hope they fucking do. I hope at least they do something. Like, add a couple depth pieces, even if it's that. Like, it doesn't need to be Correa. It doesn't need to be Story. Add a depth piece or two. Like, just keep making this team better. You saved money on Correa. Please tell me you saved it for a reason. Long story short. Today... What I would like to talk about is your Detroit Red Wings are on a four-game win streak, folks. They went and they lost four in a row. They went on that road trip, lost four in a row. Wasn't good. They did not look very good. They were blowing games, blowing leads, losing games, and losing points in games where they really should not have been. They came back home. They've bounced back. Four straight wins for the Detroit Red Wings, and they've been a pleasure to watch. All of a sudden, it's weird. I don't know. Like, Obviously, in hockey, for the most part, I think teams play better at home, and certainly that is the case for the Red Wings this year. I don't really understand, like, 
what it is about playing on the road, what it is about maybe the foreign ice. I don't know, but the offense, we had that four game road trip where we were losing. The offense was dormant. They couldn't do a thing. They didn't even look dangerous. And then we come back home and all of a sudden Raymond's back scoring goals. Although he never really left Larkin's cooking Nemesnikov scoring goals. We come back home. All of a sudden the offense produces. I don't really get how that works. I know obviously like home ice advantage. It's a thing. You probably, you feel more comfortable at home. You're sleeping in your bed, right? You're hanging out with your wife, your girlfriend, drinking your coffee out of your Keurig that you got for Christmas, all that shit. But at the same time, like, I feel like skill should transfer. I feel like if you score goals at home, you should score on the road. Either way, when they lost those four in a row, I got nervous. I was sad, obviously, because they lose. I mean, it sucks watching your favorite team lose. I don't care if it's hockey, fucking football, baseball, basketball. Watching your favorite teams lose is not a good time. That's plain and simple. That said, more so than just the losing, it 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 felt like the wild card and it felt like competing. It felt like hanging around and really the interest of the season was kind of hanging in the balance, right? It felt like as that four-game losing streak wore on, as they kept dropping game after game, it was like, we're approaching this season's going to be boring. Nobody's going to care territory very quickly. That's what it felt like to me where it's like, I can, I can live with the losses, right? Obviously don't want you to, I can live with the losses, but don't get to the point where we're sitting here 30 games left in the season. And I don't care anymore. Don't get to the point where it's January and I'm like, Oh, the Red Wings are on. I'll watch Seinfeld. Don't let it get there. Please, whatever happens, do not let it get there. That's what I was afraid of. And that's how those things happen. Those things don't happen by trading wins and losses. You win one, you lose one. You lose two, you win two. Like going back and forth, staying 500, you don't lose playoff races like that. You lose races and you end seasons and and you lose interest by losing three, four, five, six in a row and then never making up for it. I said when it happened, I did a podcast at the end of that skid where it was kind of like, oh, I'm fucking raising the alarm a little bit here. And I was saying if the Red Wings, like they don't need to win every game always, obviously, but their bad spells, like when they're playing poorly, when they're not really clicking, when the offense is struggling or they're letting up goals, whatever, they're poor, they're bad spells. Like you need to do everything in your power to make the bad spells like, 500 or as close to 500, like maybe win one, drop two. If that's your bad spell, we can live bad spell. Three games. You win one, drop two. Don't lose all three. Don't lose all three. And then a fourth, you win one, drop two, win one. Like that needs to be the worst quality you have. That needs to be the worst run you have all year. And then you're going to have weeks and, and, and stretches like they've got right now where you win four in a row, where you win hopefully five in a row, where you win hopefully six in a row, and you're just stacking up points while others are losing. That's the way hockey works. That's the way basketball, baseball, all these sports work where they're long seasons. But I got nervous, and I've been so delighted to see them bounce back. They've won games that they shouldn't have. I mean, you could argue even today against Seattle, Grice was getting beat left, right, and center. That goalpost was ringing like a bomb went off next to my ear. The night before in Boston, they got, I mean, dominated. They got outshot by like 25 or something fucking crazy. The Great Wall of Serbia. (laughs) I love that nickname. The Great Wall of Serbia, fortunately for us, was in net. 
not to be beaten, not to be beaten enough. And the Red Wings scratched and clawed tooth and nail and found a way to win. Those games are key too. Those games are key too. Cause guess what? You're not going to have it every night. Some nights you got to just fuck it, figure out a way, just figure one out. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's gross. I don't care if it's one, nothing. I don't care if your goalie makes 50 saves and theirs makes five, find a fucking way. I just care about the points column. And that's what they did against Boston. So it's been a pleasure to see them bounce back because that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Forget the play and everything. When you're when you're a team like the Red Wings, obviously some of the stronger players are younger guys. Um, a lot of the guys here, you know, they've not really experienced winning, especially if you've been on the Red Wings for a while now. The team, the the I don't want to say the culture because I don't think the culture is losing. I don't think people come to the Red Wings and are like, ah, fuck, here we go. We're going to lose a bunch of games. But obviously the last few years, that's all they've done is lose. They haven't been competitive. They've been sitting there in January like, well, this fucking sucks. What I was worried about more than anything was those guys were going to let a four-game losing streak. Guys like Fabry, who's been here a little while now. Guys like Bertuzzi. Guys like Larkin. Letty hasn't been here long. Hronik's been here a while. De Kaiser. Some of these guys who have kind of been here through the shit, I thought, or I was worried, those guys would hit that four-game skid and kind of look at each other like, well, came earlier than usual this year, something like that. You know what I'm saying? Where they're like, damn it, we, we gave it a good shot that this is it. Like, you could have thrown in the towel there and been like, whatever. We, we fucking, you know. We were fun for a little while. Fuck it. This is it. This is what happens to us every year. And they didn't. They fought back and they've won four in a row and amended for that losing streak. And now you're playing with house money. Now let's see how many. Can we go five? Can we go six? Can we go seven? Lucas Raymond's unbelievable. Lucas Raymond's incredible. He's 19. Is he going to get better? That's what I, that, that that's what's blowing my mind. Is he going to get better? This kid's got 20 points in 22 games. Larkin with 21 and 22. Larkin's been incredible too. That line that Bertuzzi was out tonight, but that Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond line tonight, it was Fabry. They are so fun to watch, dude. You can tell too. The crowd even could tell when they came out uh, in three on three, the last shift of overtime, when they came out under the ice, you could hear the crowd. You could feel it that like everybody knew like, all right, these are our guys. Like if we're going to win the game, here we go. These are the fucking guys. You can tell that they just, they know now. It's not that we know. It's not that we hope. It's they know. Larkin knows. Raymond knows. They know when they're out there, they're like, wait, let's fucking score a goal. We're better than whoever's on the ice for them. Let's score a goal. We know what we're capable of. Let's score a goal. It's electrifying watching them. Raymond too is unbelievable because I think we've known Larkin's good. He obviously has his detractors, which it's whatever. He's a guy, and I think a hockey thing, a big thing in hockey, like skill needs to play with skill. He's a guy. You put him with Raymond, you put him with a kid who knows how to score, knows where to score, key, 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 knows the timing. Like he doesn't hesitate. The puck's on and off his stick before you can blink. You get a guy like him, just a kid with unreal instincts, a kid with unreal instincts, knows for scoring, knows for playmaking a guy who can get Larkin the puck for a change rather than Larkin being the guy to give everyone else the puck. You stick Larkin with a guy like that. And what do you know? He's a point of game guy. 
I don't think that that was a surprise to people who have watched him and, and seen his potential. Like he's shown flashes. He's proved, oh yeah, by the way, like I'm also sick at hockey guys. Like I also can score. I also can play make. I also can create goals out of thin air. And he's done that. Lucas Raymond's just brought the best out of him. The most impressive thing for Raymond, two things, his 200 foot game, the way he plays defense, he, he tries to, you know, in the Datsukian style, Larkin's also great at it, so I'm sure he kind of takes after him. But his effort in trying to take the puck away on the forecheck, take the puck away and neutralize, he always is hunting it. Um, that's incredible because you kind of expect young guys, that's the number one thing. It's like, oh, yeah, like maybe he's got a hell of a shot. Maybe he's fast, this or that. Probably, you know, defense is going to take a while, though. The effort's going to take a while. Not the case with him. And beyond that, we know he can shoot right? Like we know he's sweet. We know he's skilled. What's blown my mind with him and and continues to impress. And I think the more I watch hockey and the more, especially with the Red Wings, where we're bringing in young guys every year, we're hoping they pan out. We're seeing what they're made of. And you got guys, no offense, but you got guys like Rasmussen. By the way, why did he go out for an overtime shift? He goes out for an overtime shift shift instantly should have been a shit instantly turns it over instantly almost gives up a goal blash what are you fucking thinking you have five minutes you don't need to play that guy but anyways watching a guy like Ras, a young guy who like you're looking for signs from you want to see progression you want to see improvement and then you watch raymond i think the thing i appreciate the most now in all hockey players but especially these young dudes like raymond just knows where to be he has the instinct, and I don't know if he just puts in that much time in the film room or whatever. He just knows where to be. The goalie scored tonight. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time. The puck bounces and falls to him, and he no hesitation, no overthinking, no trying to get too cute like, oh, let me try to stick handle or make this pass. Nothing. He knows what he's good at, shooting the puck. He knows he has the element of surprise. Grubauer is not expecting him to hit a 180 and just whip that thing at the net. He had a little bit of a screen from the Kraken defender. Maybe Raymond realized that, maybe not. But just the fact, A, he's in the right spot. The puck's banking off guys, and it just falls right to Raymond. And then the fact, just he has like the intelligence, the poise, not to try to get super cute, not to try to do something crazy, not to try and make too much, but to just say, you know what, I'm going to just spin around and fire this fucking thing at the net. And it went in. And it went in because he has a goddamn laser because him using no hesitation, him, boom, I'm shooting this. Grubauer's got no idea it's coming. It's uncanny, his ability to find goals. Because you you have the goals. When he's on a breakaway, you expect him to dangle the dude and tuck it. When he's got a clear lane to a shot from 15 feet out, you're like, yeah, you can't let him shoot. But he scores or he scored and come close to scoring so many goals where it's it's not him ripping a shot, fucking bar down. It's not him undressing the defense and tucking one. It's him just like being in the right spot and getting a stick on it. Like simple. It looks so simple. Like, oh, anyone can do that. Oh, anyone can just spin around and flip the shot at the net. Anyone can do that, but nobody does. But Raymond does because he's in the right place because he just has an instinct for where to be. Larkin and him worked worked so to well, so well together. Obviously, the goal tonight wasn't you know some crazy passing play, but just over the course of the season, they work so well together. They get the each other the puck well. Is Raymond going to get better? Like, can he get better? Is that possible? How is he going to get better? 
is he what is he gonna get faster just like he'll get bigger and stronger which is gonna be fucking awesome but that's gonna be great like in the corners and in the checking game is he gonna get faster does his shot get more accurate does his shot get more snap like how does this guy even get better at this point honest to god that's what's blowing my mind about it like he plays like a dude that's been in the league for five years already it's fucking incredible to watch. He knows where the goals are more than guys that have been with the Red Wings for the last three years. It's a treat. Cider's incredible. The way he moves the puck, his patience. I, don't, I fucking love the Red Wings. I fucking love the Red Wings. I'm so happy they bounced back off that losing streak because I was like, not depressed, but I was very bummed out. Like, damn, bro. Like, are we, uh, am I seriously, like, we're about to just be out? Like we lost, we lost four in a row. It's not even December. And like, that's it. Like, we're just going to fucking mail it in. I was afraid that was going to happen and it hasn't. It feels good, dude. I feel like such a fucking loser saying this, but like (laughs) legitimately, legitimately, I'm like happy. (laughs) I'm like happy that the Red Wings are back. Like it makes me feel good. I'm proud. I'm proud. I'm in a good mood. Like I, I'm going to go to bed tonight, like at ease in a much better mood than I would otherwise, because the Red Wings are fighting simple as that because the Red Wings are fighting. I'm going to go to bed tonight and be like, nice. Like, that's awesome. That was fucking awesome. That's great. I'm so happy they're competing. (laughs) It's the most like fan corny thing to say, but it's true, dude. And when you look at Detroit, I said it like, Thank God we have one team. The Lions are a fucking joke. The Tigers will be better this year, which is awesome. Pistons stink. Like, we got one team. Thank God. Kate had a great game yesterday, but, you know, like they still fucking lost. The, thank God the Red Wings are just like, like, you don't need to win it. You don't even, you don't even need to make the playoffs. Just thank God they're competitive. Thank God I can turn them on any night and I watch our good players do cool things. And I, I'm convinced they'll win. And I think they have a chance to win. Like, thank fucking God we have one team. One team that can hold Detroit on its back. It legitimately, like, puts – I'm like, thank, like, fuck. Like, like a relief, dude. Like, a, ah, like that's nice. Like, I want to cuddle up with the fucking Red Wings tonight and tell them how much I love them because they're – they're fun. They're entertaining. They give me hope that like, ugh. I love the Red Wings. I love, I love Raymond. I love Larkin. I love Bertuzzi. I love hockey. Um, I don't, I love the color red. It's been a real treat. All right. Let me take a quick break. Do we talk lions? Do we talk? I mean, do we talk lions? Who gives a fuck about the lions? Right. Do we talk Lions? I don't really want to talk Lions. Who gives a fuck? They stink. I don't even think I talked about him after that Bears game. Another game of Dan Campbell screwing the pooch, dude. It sucks, too, for a couple reasons. It's I guess we'll do a couple minutes on the Lions, and then we'll take a break, and we'll do the MSU, uh, MSU-Penn State game. It sucks that they stink. It sucks to lose. It I fucking can't handle losing because our coaching staff, dude, our coaching staff, these guys get paid an absorbent, exorbitant, whatever the proper goddamn word is. These guys get paid an outrageous amount of money to do nothing more than call timeouts, decide when to kick a field goal, 
Like the simplest tasks that I, when I was playing Madden 06 on my GameCube, the shit that I knew how to figure out. Like, oh, okay. Well, they're either going to score a touchdown or get a first down and end the game. Let them score a touchdown. Oh, okay. There's there's less than two minutes left. They're going to run 40 seconds off the clock if I don't call a timeout. I'm going to call a timeout. Like decisions that, that should be pre-made. Like decisions that you present Dan Campbell with the situation and he's like, bang. He's quicker than a fucking computer. He, honest to God, like that's how it should be. And we're botching games on elementary level one, like before Mario even comes into the game decisions. It's fucking pathetic. And I made the TikTok saying this where I can lose games because Jared Goff blows. I can lose games because the defense blows, even though the defense has been great. But I can lose games because we don't have talent. I can lose games because the roster stinks, dude. I'll lose games all day because the roster stinks. Fuck out of here with that. I cannot sit idly by and lose fucking games because our head coach, who's getting paid millions of dollars, meanwhile, I'm sitting here eating a 7-Eleven sandwich for dinner. He's getting paid millions. Doesn't understand the fundamental logic of the game of football. I can't sit with that. And I don't want to be negative. I really don't. I really don't. Cause it annoys me. The negative lions fans. Cause you know what, what is being negative about the worst franchise in the world? What does that do for anybody? What does that improve? How is that going to help being more negative about the most negative entity in sports? Nothing. I want to be positive. I want to ride with Dan. I want to come on here and talk about, you know what? They lost, but Dan Campbell did some incredible things. The scheme was great. And you know what? The defense has been great. Aaron Glenn has been great. Minus the end of that Bears game where they didn't just let them score and didn't stop them and lined up 10 yards off the the wide receivers, even though it's fourth and fucking three. Oh, they have been good. The defense has. Penny Sewell has been good. I love DeAndre Swift. He's been great. Like, I do want to be positive, but... Bro, like, this is why the Lions are the Lions. It's fourth and three at the end of the game. They're at, like, the eight-yard line, seven-yard line. They're either going to pick up a first down and not score, and the game's over, you lose. They're either going to get stopped, and you call a timeout, they kick a field goal, and you'll get the ball back, which is best-case scenario, or you're going to let them score a touchdown, you'll be down by whatever, six, and you'll get the ball back. Second best case scenario. And we somehow manage, we line up in a formation that essentially gifts them, gifts them completing the worst case scenario for the Lions. Like, it just, it's so frustrating. Like, even if you're the most positive guy in the world, it's so frustrating. You can't watch that shit and think about it. Sleep on that and wake up the next day. You can't watch that and not get angry with it. Like, you can't. How can you not? They're getting paid millions and it's fundamental shit. Like it'd be one thing if people were coming on, like at the beginning of the year, when I, when my TikTok really got growing, um, I made the video talking about, you know, Woodward sports and 97 one and all these places. I think the, the lines were only, <laughs> I can't imagine people were complaining. They were only like, Oh, and three at the time. Fucking imagine that. And everyone's like, is Dan Campbell the guy? This is what you get when you hire a head coach without experience. Blah, blah, blah. Horseshit. And I came on and I said, dude, what's being negative doing? Like, give the guy a fucking chance. It's not his fault. They play the Niners, the Packers, and the Ravens. Like, what do you want? What do you want from the guy? 
I wouldn't be complaining if that was the case. I wouldn't be complaining if we're just losing games because the other team's better because we knew that would happen. I just can't come on here and be like, Mr. Positivity, Dan Campbell, I'm woohoo. When it's like he's making decisions and it's not brainiac. It's not like, oh, the scheme isn't good enough. Oh, like the, the route tree isn't totally developed. Like it's not detailed shit like that. It's, oh, he didn't call a timeout when they were clearly trying to run out the clock on him and he had timeouts. That makes no fucking sense. That should be something you never need to be a head coach for. The guy who washes their fucking jock straps in the locker room knows you should have called the timeout there. That shit. I'm not gonna, I can't come on here and be Mr. Positivity about like, that is why the lines are the lines. You're making millions of dollars, Dan. I love you to death. I'm rooting for Dan. I still, I still believe like the, the nice part is those terrible decisions and losing those games. They don't matter. Cause this team, he could have made every right decision all year. This team would still have maximum two wins. So it's not the good part. They don't matter. Those decisions don't, <clears throat> don't matter. But what happens in a year, in two years, when losing a game like we lost on Thanksgiving costs us a playoff spot because he's not using timeouts? When that happens, and then we look back on this, and it's like, wow, the signs were there, that's when it's going to be an issue because that's the Lions thing. You let the cancer grow, you grow, you grow, and then you restart when it's too late. It's fucking annoying, dude. Millions of dollars. I mean a goddamn 7-Eleven sandwich because I don't make millions of dollars. I would have called that timeout. I would have fucking let him score a touchdown or at least gone all out to stop him. Like, it's just simple things, dude. Like, I can't talk about the lines anymore because it just is negative. Makes me angry. Nobody cares about him either. How do you care about a team that's 0-11 or 0-12? How does anyone care about them? It's like, next time I'll care is fucking draft day. (sighs) Thank God for the Red Wings, though. Quick break. We'll talk Michigan State football. All right, let's talk MSU. Big win. Big win against Penn State. It was um, it was awesome to watch. I mean, thank God. I know we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. Like, the game didn't matter, right? If they lose and go 9-3 and three versus 10-2, and two, it's like, uh, whatever. Yeah, double-digit wins is great. Yeah, they have a way better chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. But didn't really matter. I am glad that they won. I, and I talked about it. I was more concerned with the game and, like, them winning or losing. Not as much to go 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. But more so, like, you just got fucking tarred and feathered by Ohio State. How are you going to answer? Similar to what we were just talking about with the Red Wings. Like, the easy response is, oh, well, you know, it's all, it's done anyway. Who who gives a fuck? Like, I'll just roll over. That's the easy way to go about it is to just mail it in. Do you want to do that? Or do you want to nut up and come back and win your last game against a good team? With a surprisingly big crowd at Spartan Stadium, the snow game was awesome. The snow looks sick. Also, dude, how is Penn State allowed to wear those white jerseys when it snows? I know they probably determine the jerseys on like Thursday or Friday. You come out, you wake up Saturday morning, and it's fucking white outside. And someone's like, yeah, it's cool if they wear those. Why? How is that? What are we doing there? Why are we letting those guys wear? You couldn't see Jahan Dotson half the time he was in the game. They'd be like, yep, he's in the slot. I'm like, in the slot, dude? No, bro. There's nobody fucking there. And they'd have to, like, zoom in and outline his body. I'm like, oh, wait, that's not a person. And it was him. How are they allowed to wear the white jerseys? 
the snow was awesome. It was very fitting. Um, it was sweet in the Michigan Ohio State game, but the the Penn State Michigan State game, the snow was like ten times. It was fucking sweet to watch. Snow games are great. I always get reminded of that Detroit Philly game from a few years ago. Well, probably more than a few a while ago, where it was just coming down. I don't know what it is. I feel like you kind of grow up, like you grow up playing snow tackle football with your buddies. Maybe that's the nostalgia factor. I don't know. But snow games are always fun. And I thought State played really well. I thought State, they obviously came out with a bang, quick 14-0 lead. But you knew. I mean, it would have been, you know, fun or easy to say then, like, oh, shit, we might kill these guys. But you kind of knew the way this defense has played this year, the way State has played the last few weeks. Like, you kind of knew these guys aren't going to just go quietly, even if even if Penn State wasn't necessarily up to the challenge. You knew Michigan State wasn't going to put their foot on their throats and just put them out. Um, so you kind of expected the comeback, and they did come back. They made it interesting. It was a great game. Shout out Ma Gawatewete, uh, the linebacker, freshman kid we flipped from USC last year. Cracked. Cracked. That Nittany Lion on the kickoff return. Fucking perfect. Perfect. Form tackle, fumble, state. Jaden Reed, fourth down, a Moss gang, Moss gang. What a fucking catch that was. 30-27 state wins. couple things, big takeaways. First thing, like I said, the bounce back, the resilience, not only from the players, uh, but Mel Tucker, the coaching staff, just the ability or in the want to, to come out and be like, we are not fucking losing, right? Like we're not letting this end like that. Um, we're a better team than what happened in Columbus. We're a better team than Penn State. We're going to win this game, right? We're going to go out 10 and 2. We might go to a New Year's Six Bowl, but we are here. Like that was a we're here type game. If Michigan State loses that one, you lose your last two, right? You finish, you lose three of your last four. Like that's kind of a sour taste on an otherwise great season. You lose to a team like Penn State. Sure, it's Penn State. They're good. They're talented, but. According to this season, right, they weren't the best this year. You should beat them. And coming off the ass beating in Columbus, like that Penn State bounce back was a we're here, we're not fucking around type game. Because teams that would fuck around, teams that maybe weren't about it, teams that were a little fraudulent, teams that ah, maybe they kind of skated along this year, you lose that game. You lay down in that game. You lose that game. And you go into the offseason now like, fuck, man, what happened to us? What is this? Was this that great of a season? Like it felt like a week ago, this was the best season ever. And all of a sudden I'm sitting here like, was it? Doesn't feel so great anymore. So I'm really happy they won. I think Jay Johnson did a good job. Um, The players too. Peyton Thorne, I thought played real well, um, especially in the freezing cold and the snow, like throwing footballs in the cold sucks. Throwing footballs in the snow also sucks. Throwing football in the snow and cold could be the worst you could make an argument for it being the worst I thought he did a great job um Kenneth Walker I thought he did a great job he looked a lot healthier than he did against OSU it fucking sucks dude uh I know like obviously he's the best player he's kind of carried the team this year carried the offense that Ohio State game like if his ankle was that fucked up I know you feel like you have to play him. I know it's the game. You need to win it to win the Big Ten. But if his ankle was to that point where, like, he gets two carries and he's coming off the field limping, like, if it's to the point where he's just not going to be effective or it's to the point where when Kenneth's in the game, 
you don't want to give him the ball because his ankle's fucked up. Like, I get it. He probably wanted to play. I get it. At some point, you, you got to just tap him out. Like, Connor Cook, the last time State won there, Connor Cook, they probably were all thinking, like, how can we get him to play? We probably don't have a chance if he doesn't. At the end of the day, he couldn't do what they needed him to do. He didn't play, and it worked out. I kind of wish the Kenneth thing at Ohio State, like, if he was that banged up, just fucking, you don't have to play him. You don't have to play the guy. Um, and he looked healthier this week, just a week later. He looked a lot better, and especially in snow, the field was slippery as fuck. Looked like they were, they everybody had banana peels at, uh, strapped to their cleats. He looked awesome. He was back cutting. He was running hard, hitting some nice top speeds. I'm going to miss him, dude. He said he's going to play in the bowl game. Thank God. And I am going to sit down and soak up every last moment of it. Cause he truly is. He truly is electric with the football in his hands. He really is. It's the best way to put it. I mean, Oh dude, we, cause we've seen good players whether it's at Michigan State or elsewhere, we've seen good players. We've seen real good running backs. He's at that level where it's a tier above the Javon Ringers, Le'Veon Bells, Jeremy Langfords of the world, at least to me. Like those guys, all great. LJ Scott, freshman year, all great. When you watch Kenneth Walker, it's like, oh, 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 no, he's like really, really good. Like he's not just really good. He's like fucking very, very good very like way better than good he's absurd it was awesome watching him he had a great game which was sweet probably kind of the reason they won i'm gonna miss him thank god for him dude who knows what would have happened this year mel tucker probably goes to bed (laughs) probably goes to bed every night kisses the picture of him and his family kisses the picture of kenneth walker by his bedside like what would the season have been without him after the bowl game um we'll do we'll do a full-on like fucking we'll do a season and review like i'll probably do a 30 40 maybe even hour long episode just talking about this season just talking about moving forward i may even do one for michigan as well but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there once college football is all said and done we'll review the season another thing turnovers for the defense obviously the special teams turnover i mentioned but there was another i think it was noah harvey forced the fumble in a big spot another momentum play it led to state scoring 10 straight and at that point it was 10 straight in the fourth quarter and penn state still fought back they ended up scoring again which michigan state going when they have a lead they go into that fucking park the bus yeah have 10 yards every play defense and i can't stand it I can't stand when they do it. I can't stand when the Lions do it. I can't stand when anybody does it and they fucking insist on it. Penn State still fought, but that 10 points in the fourth quarter, you kind of felt like too too late, too little time for Penn State, even though they were fighting, and State got it done. It was a great game, and now we'll see. Now we wait to see what bowl game they go into. <clears throat> it's a bummer. You know, it's a bummer they're not going to Indy. Um, but it is what it is. Like, we we – Anytime I think about that, because I mentioned this too on yesterday's pod when I was talking about Michigan going to Indy, like one of my big takeaways from Michigan winning that game and the celebration and everything was like, obviously cool, great for Michigan. It's a surprise that they did it. But my biggest takeaway really was like, damn, like I want Michigan State to do this again. Like this, this year was awesome. Winning 10 games was fucking great. Beating Michigan, like everything, this is a great season. I watched Michigan beat OSU and celebrate like that, and my takeaway was, 
I want like I want to do this. <laughs> that seems fun. I'd like to go to Indy. I'd like Michigan State to reach this level again. We think about it and we've clowned Michigan for it, but like, dude, that shit was six years ago, bro. Like six years it's been now. It's been six whole years since we beat Ohio State and went to Indianapolis and beat Iowa. Six fucking years, dude. I want to do that again. Call me impatient if you must. I'm ready for that again. I'm ready to win. I'm ready to be on the mountaintop. I'm ready to celebrate like there's no tomorrow, dude. And we still celebrate, and it's still great. We were supposed to win four and a half games. It's awesome that we're 10-2. and two. It's awesome we have a Heisman contender. It's awesome we beat Michigan. All of that is true. I want more, bro. Like, I want more. Watching Michigan Selly left me feeling inspired. Like, we, like, there's more. There is more for us. It doesn't end with beating Michigan and winning 10 games. It ends eventually one day, and I truly believe this, it ends one day with a natty. But for now, it ends with Indy. That's the next step. We had to make this step. We had to reestablish ourselves to recruits, to the people, I think, even within Michigan State. I mean, no matter how much Mel talked and Mel is bringing the positive vibes this offseason, coming into this year, I'm sure there were people working at Michigan State. Maybe, fuck, maybe even coaches. There were people there, I'm sure, that were like, Ugh, this is probably, like, this probably isn't going to go very well this year. I'm sure that existed. Certainly fans did. Certainly media pundits. Now you got something to base it off. We set the standard, like 10 and 2, dude. It, we're not going back down. Well, it's sure we're sure as hell not going back where we came from. It's only up now. We've established ourselves to recruits that this is going to be. If you were wondering still, no, no, no. This is going to be the real fucking deal with Mel Tucker. Okay. Now we're recruiting. He got the contract that just set the tone for all of college football. If you've been paying attention the last week, Brian Kelly taking a deal at LSU, Lincoln Riley taking an absolute godfather offer to go to USC, everybody getting deals. Mel Tucker has set the standard with his contracts, with his overachievement. Now he's going to recruit. Now he's going to leverage that overachievement and those 10 wins and bring more talent. And that's the beauty of that Penn State game is it's like a final message. Like, yes, yes, this is it. This is real. Because people were wondering, fans of Michigan State were wondering, certainly people outside MSU, Michigan fans, I'm sure just national people, college football fans. You looked at that whooping they took from Ohio State. You don't think people looked at that Penn State game and were like, yeah, dude, they're going to fucking lose. Like, these guys, are they for real? Like, are they for real? If they lose to Penn State, are they for real? I'm not – because look at who we played, to be honest. I mean, Miami was a good team, right? And it's funny. It's funny how the narrative changes looking back because at the time, every single fucking game we played all regular season, except for like Western Kentucky and Youngstown, it was like, oh, these guys are good. They're better than MSU. They should beat MSU, right? Until we were 4-0, and 5-0, and 6-0. And, and it was like, wait a second. Miami, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Like those are the four teams – like we played that are supposed to be resume boosters that are supposed to be the games you can point to and say, well, they beat these guys. Like that was a good win. And you got spanked by Ohio state. Miami turned out to be whatever. And Penn state turned out to be whatever. I still hold true. I still believe like, like some of these schools, unless they're real, real bad, like Penn state, Penn state in a seven and five year, like they're still Penn state. All of those guys were good recruits. All of those guys can play. 
James Franklin is still, I don't know if I want to call him a great, a great coach. He's a great recruiter, <laughs> which, which, which would, you know, tell you why their players are good. Like I still value that win. And people were looking, are they for real? Like they might lose this game. They're not for real. It sent a message. Yeah, we're fucking for real. I don't care what happened in Columbus. We're better than that. They proved it. Great way to end the season. I re- I'm praying we get the Rose Bowl. I I don't think we will, but the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame would also be sick. Imagine Mel plays Notre Dame and we bring the megaphone back to Michigan State. Every rivalry trophy in East Lansing. <sighs> Although I think the megaphone's in EL right now because the last time they played him was 2016 and they beat State uh, beat him that year too. I would love that game though. Notre Dame, MSU, Fiesta Bowl battle for the megaphone. If they could, it sucks that the Rose Bowl is so stringent on Big Ten, Pac-12. If they could get Michigan State, Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl, look out, mommy. I'd go to that fucking game, dude. Oh, my God. Great win, though. I was happy to see State close it out. And now the best part of Mel Tucker is, is coming along. Now we get to see Mel flex the muscle. We've been waiting for him to flex. We brought him here, yes, to be a good football coach. Yes, to win games. Yes, to figure out how to uh, create a good offense, create a good defense. Yes, we figured him out, or we brought him here to figure out all the the on-the-field stuff. But we brought him here to recruit elite talent. We brought him here to elevate the level of player that comes to Michigan State. We know, and I said it, I said it time and time again when they were talking about the contract Mel was going to get. We know. Michigan State can compete at the highest level. We know they're capable of winning Big Tens. We fucking saw it with Mark D'Antonio, and he was doing that shit with three stars, two stars, a couple of four stars. He was doing that with 30th ranked classes. He was doing that with bottom of the Big Ten level talent, and he was topping the Big Ten. We saw that, said, wait a second. So we can win games with, you know, not so great talent. Yeah, we got guys pop off, Le'Veon Bell, Trey Waynes, Connor Cook. We can win those games with not so great talent. What? Wait, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if we bring great talent? What's going to happen if the worst players on our team are three stars? What's going to happen when our offensive line, everybody is 6'6 six, six or bigger? What's going to happen when our defensive ends are all 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, and fast? What's going to happen when our running backs are beefy, speedy, agile? What's going to happen when our quarterbacks have fucking cannons for arms? What's going to happen when the bulk of our players are high three stars, four stars? What's going to happen when we take a team that won the Big Ten twice, three times in five years? And we elevate it to a, to top 15 recruiting classes regularly. I think he will bring in top 10 classes or a top 10 class at some point. What's going to happen then? Where do we go from there What then? And Michigan State's capable. They have the alumni. They have the resources. They have the tradition. They have the guy that knows how to pitch the school. They're building the facility. Now we get to watch that guy work. We just put Mozart in front of the piano, folks. We, these next few months until the bowl season and then after bowl season until next year, these next few months, we have Johann Sebastian Bach conducting his fifth concerto and I cannot wait to see what Mel Tucker does we've already seen some crystal balls four-star wide out from Texas flipping him from the Longhorns no big deal 
No big deal. Just flipping a kid that was committed to Texas. No big deal. Five-star O-lineman committed to Kentucky. State's firmly in the mix. His last visit's coming to East Lansing. No big deal. He's doing shit. He's doing shit. D'Antonio never did. And all respect to D'Antonio, but recruiting was never his strong suit. He's doing shit that D'Antonio never did. It's just a fact. And he still has barely gotten started. He has only been able to host kids since June. And he's doing stuff we've never seen. I can't wait to see what recruiting season looks like. Can't wait to see the bowl game they, they play in. Hell of an end of the season. Hell of a season. I'm so high on this regime. Mel Tucker, Michigan State. I fucking love it, dude. I fucking love it. That's all I got today, folks. Um, hope everybody has a great week. Hope your day's going well. Positive vibes only. Uh, appreciate the support, man. Appreciate everyone who listens and shares. I want to get this thing off the ground, so it means a lot. I know I say it, and it probably goes stale, but like for real, I hope you listen. I hope you. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. Until next time, next week. Um, I don't know. Go green. Go Red Wings. I don't. Peace and love. I guess. Whatever. You know. We'll talk to you next week.